We are New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. A community church in the city of Chicago, all over the city, for the good of the city. Right now, we are in the midst of our series, Not Alone. A series that focuses on how God created us to live in friendship and community. Wherever you're listening, I hope you are blessed by this message. I want to tell you about this building. Many of you, looks like some old castle or something. It's actually called a monastery where all of the people gather who are monks. Okay, that's like my favorite word, monk. Everybody say monk, and then you got to get that K on the end, monk, right? So the um, monastery is where a lot of monks go. (laughs) Add an S on the end, it gets even crazier. And they all go, and they gather here maybe to go and get away from the world. Maybe they do things to serve a community through a monastery, whatever it is. But this monastery here actually was known for a long time as a famous monastery where there was so much peace. People would go here and they would experience the peace of God just by going and seeing the community that was in this monastery. It was known throughout like the whole area. So people would actually travel. It'd be like a pilgrimage to go and just like spend a day at this monastery. They felt like the peace of these monks was overflowing. Problem was, as, as the years went on, these monks started to grow annoyed with each other. Okay? They had little rivalries. Someone took too much grain. I don't know, like someone was like praying in their spot, you know? Things just started to build and like the little things escalated until literally it was almost as if the monks were not willing to talk with each other. Okay? And the people around in the community noticed this. They were like coming, they're like, I don't feel so peaceful anymore. And they stopped coming, they stopped coming. And the head of the monastery was becoming so distraught over this. And so he went and he met with a, a mentor of his, and he's like, Man, what do I do? Like, all of the people here, they're just constantly like angry at each other, and I just don't know what to do. And, he's, and this, this mentor was like, Oh, I've got a word for you. I've got a word for you that'll help you. I want you to tell everyone there that one of them is actually Jesus in disguise. Jesus is one of them. So the the head of the monastery is like, man, this is really strange. So he goes back and he tells them all this, that, hey, this really like spiritual man told me that he had a vision that one of you is actually Jesus. There's Jesus is here among us. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, is it you? <laughs> like, so all of a sudden, those little rivalries started to change. They didn't want to be like, oh, never mind. You can have my portion, you know. Uh, will you please forgive me? Uh, all of a sudden, things started to change in the monastery. And within a couple weeks, that peace was back. People started to notice it in the community. A remarkable spirit took over that place, all because those monks knew that Jesus was among them. So welcome to New Life Rogers Park. My name is Galen. I'm a pastor here. I'm uh, part of the church, and today we get to talk about a series that we started right after Easter called Not 
alone. Not alone. It comes from Genesis where you see God seeing Adam and he says it's not good for him to be alone. Right? And then it just creates Eve and this community grows from there. And so we decided, you know, we've, we have different series that'll come up about relationships. A lot of times we spend a lot of time talking about like romantic relationships when in reality, most of the relationships we have in our lives and within the church are actually a friendship. But we never talk about that. We maybe have like one sermon every five or 10 years and we thought, man, we need to do a deep dive into relationships, friendship, community. How does this work? What, this is so central to the church, but we, we do so poorly or badly with this, right? With having good friendships and with like relating to each other. Why? Why? Because we are people. Because we're people. I love C.S. Lewis said, we're all fallen creatures and all very hard to live with, okay? So over the last few weeks, we've talked about the roots of friendship, how God created us to be actually in community, like it's a deep need of ours, it's how God created us. Brennan talked last week with us so good about how to be a friend. How to be a friend or how not to be a friend even, right? It was super good, what does that mean? Why is this so important? And this week, I get the fun message. Oh yeah. Some of you are like, ah, what is Pastor Kim going to talk about? I get to talk about the thing that we do everything in our lives to avoid. We're gathered here in our house, and I like mentioned what I was talking about, and everybody's like, <laughs> like some of us would rather go skydiving than talk about this. Some of us would rather go like swim with sharks. Some of us would rather delete our social media accounts than actually go and talk about this, okay? This thing is so difficult for us. I get to talk about conflict conflicts and none of you have ever experienced conflict before right hmm like none of you have ever had this in your life no 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 no. well this may be the message that we all need to hear as we struggle our way through life and try to wrestle the reality that surrounds us every day what do you do when things don't go so well in the friendship right? What do you do when you don't get along with someone else? And like these awesome monks that are gathered in this monastery, what do you do when you have conflict with other people? So as we start off, I just wanted to, before we even look at this book, I want to just talk about this word for a second, conflict. I want to look at what this word means, conflict. Here's a couple dictionary, dictionary definitions. I say that like 10 times fast. Dictionary definitions, dictionary definitions. A serious disagreement or argument, typically a protracted one. And then I love this was like a little ways down. It's like to fight or contend or to do battle. Okay? <laughs> I love that. That's what most of us feel whenever there's a conflict in our lives. All right, suit up. Let's go. Right? We're going to go to battle and one of us isn't going to make it out of here alive. Okay? And then you, that's when you start arguing who, whoever ate the last cookie or, you know, whatever, your last fry in the bottom of the bag, right? This is life or death. But conflict is really when you disagree with someone else. It can be big. It can be small. It can seem big to you, but seem small to everyone else. And look what it says at the end of that definition, the first one, a protracted one, right? A disagreement that is protracted. That's a word we do not use in our dictionary or our, 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 our conversations very often, right? It means something that's drawn out. 
It's not something where you bump someone and you're like, oops, my bad. <laughs> that conflict thing is hard, right? No, this is something usually where you disagree with someone and it goes on for a while. It sits on your mind. You disagree and you cannot get along with someone because of it. Conflict. Are you following with me? Huh? I can't hear you. Everyone's like, yes! Okay, good. Here's what you got to know. Conflict is not something new, and it's definitely not an isolated thing. As we look at the Bible at the very beginning, when Eve, Eve, Adam and Eve, right? Eve decided it was better for her to make her own decisions. Thank you very much, God. I'm good, right? It was, that was the first conflict we see. And then when Cain, Eve's son, decided he liked the world a lot better without his brother, so he killed him. Right? And then if you trace history, not only through the Bible, but throughout the history of the world, you see wars, battles, all this killing and conflict, literally battle, right? All over conflicts, okay? It's like the most easy thing to trace, but just think about all the conflicts you have in your own personal life. Conflicts with family members, with a spouse, friends, coworkers, roommates, enemies, And now think about the fact that everyone throughout history forever has had those same conflicts. I mean, that's a lot of conflicts, right? All those conflicts, that's like a lot of battles, okay, that have gone on forever. You see, we live in a world where there's a lot of brokenness. I know I don't have to prove that to you. We live in a world that is made up of a lot of messy humans, including ourselves, and we have already seen God create us to live in community, with all those humans. So what's the outflow of all that? Conflict. Conflict. If you actually want to live in community with someone, conflict is actually necessary. You can't put two people in the same room and expect it to go on for more than five minutes without someone getting mad that they're like breathing on them, you know? Like, the reality is conflict does not just happen when we are at our worst, but in fact, it even happens when we're at our best. We're at our best. That's what I was thinking about. Sometimes we think like just, why can't they just get along? You know, why can't people just get along? It's so easy for me, right? Conflict happens to the best of us, even when we're at our best. Don't believe me. Look at Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, verse 36. I don't think that's the right chapter. <laughs> Is it Acts 16? No. Do I have in there? No. <laughs> oh, okay, good. I don't know where that one was. Acts 16, verse 36. They came to appease them and escorted them. No, this is not the right chapter. Okay, I don't know what I have. Acts 16. 15? Okay, forget about this verse. I think I was Acts 50, according to Brennan, who's yelling at me. I don't know how he knows, but he knows it's Acts 15. <laughs> he is like spirit-filled brother. He's like, you know. Time later... Paul said to Barnabas. Now, if you don't know who these two men are, Paul basically started the church, okay? Like planted most of the churches that are spread throughout Europe, right? Asia, that kind of thing. He planted most of them. And then Barnabas is this this godly man. It says he like gave, he sold property and just gave it so that it would help people that were poor. He was known as the... uh, And so these two guys, it says, you know, that it says... Paul said to Barnabas, these, these two cool guys, awesome guys, godly guys, let's see what they're up to. Let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. 
And Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. So he wanted to take this other guy with him, right? But Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and not continued with them in the work. So Barnabas is like, yo, let me bring this guy. And Paul's like, nah, he's not so good. And it says in verse 39, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Woohoo! Paul, Barnabas, come on guys, can't you just work it out? You're setting such a bad example for the rest of us, right? Here are two of the greatest leaders of the early church. They've been in united in so much. They were the two that traveled around Jerusalem. They're saying, let's go back and visit the churches we planted. They planted all these churches, right? They were the two that were so godly. People looked up to them and says that they disagreed so sharply, sharply, that they ended up going separate ways. How is this possible? I'll give you an insight. Because they are humans, okay? And at the very least, you have to recognize that if it could happen to them, then it's definitely going to happen to me. Even when we're at our best, even if you are a Paul or a Barnabas listening here, you're going to have conflict. You're going to have conflict, right? And you see, as we already discussed, conflict is something that happens when you disagree with another person. Not just disagree, you disagree strongly, seriously. This is a dream, disagreement strong enough that it gets drawn out. I think the crazy part about the story with Paul and Barnabas is that we don't have other stories of disagreements, right? When they were hangry, stuck in the prison, it's your fault, you know? <laughs> like, why did you say that? Right? Like, it's more amazing that we don't have more of these things recorded in the scriptures. Now, we're going to have to look at what God has, we're going to look at what God has to say about having conflict throughout the whole Bible, but I want to start with a secret, something that may be hard for you to believe, okay? Conflict is not bad. Conflict is not bad. Let me repeat one more time. Conflict is not bad. Following? The pastor killer, I hate it. It's the worst thing in the world. It's so bad, 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 bad. Right? Yes, I'm sure you feel that way. But conflict is actually a healthy rhythm of doing life together. Conflict is actually a healthy rhythm of doing life together. You see, when you have two people together, even at their best moments, if they're doing life together, then they are going to disagree. They're going to disagree. You put too much salt on the potatoes. No, it's perfect, right? You shouldn't have given that waiter a $15 tip, but she deserved it, right? You need to wear a mask all the time. No, you don't, right? Oh, I know, I just started a war, right? Conflict doesn't make it bad. It's actually a good conflict too, like Brennan was saying. Like, man, when there's sin, it's like a good thing to have conflict to draw us back to God. In fact, I would even say if you are not having conflict with someone, then you're probably any marriage counselor will see is when he's meeting with a new couple and they're like, we don't have a fight. It's just a miracle. We just get along on everything. <laughs> you know, it's like, really? It's a lie. That's a lie. <laughs> it's not possible because if you never get into an argument with someone, then you probably aren't being honest and truthful with that person about the road, right? Because there's no way that you both have the exact same viewpoints on everything. Conflict is a healthy rhythm of doing life together. Conflict should be expected. It's a good thing. It means you're able to be honest. It means you're able to be honest with another person even if you disagree. Even when you're going to get pushback. 
And God can bring so many good things out of conflict. He can teach you to die to yourself, let go of your own desires for the sake of others. God can bring about something that's way better than could have ever happened unless you two wrestled through this together, right? God can help you learn how to communicate hard truths in a loving way. But there's also hard parts of conflict. The parts that we're most familiar with, the things that keep us avoiding it at all costs, right? Things that we associate with conflict. Things like, this conflict may cause a broken relationship. This conflict may end in divorce. This conflict may ruin the good impact on a community or neighborhood. This conflict may question me to, to, this conflict may cause me to question my own role. This conflict may cause someone to turn into one of the meanest people you've ever known, right? This conflict may cause someone to hold on to bitterness for the rest of their life in a completely unloving way. You following me so far? I know there's a lot. I'm like, I want to make sure we have the same definition of conflict, right? I feel like so far I've proved to you why conflict is bad, right? Like, yeah, that's why I avoid it. Like, whole talk so far has convinced me I need to keep avoiding conflict at all costs, right? Let me tell you a story about my grandparents. I loved my grandparents, and they're both not alive any longer, so I can tell this story, okay? Uh, Whenever I was around my grandparents, I always noticed something interesting. My grandma never, ever cooked. Never. My grandpa was doing any of the cooking. Well, after seeing this for years growing up, I remember asking my mom about it once. And I come to find out many, many years ago when my grandparents first got married, my grandpa was out working all day. He had built houses. He was building houses for a living. He was out working all day and he got stuck on a job site a little later than expected. He was a couple hours late coming home while my grandma, his newly married wife, had made this nice, huge dinner, right? And it was sitting and she was waiting and waiting and waiting. And hours later, he comes home from work and she was so mad. She took the whole dinner, threw it in the trash and said, I will never cook for you again. I'm telling you, 50 years later, she is still not cooking. Wow. Yeah. 50 years later, she vowed she would never cook again. And she was still holding on to that conflict as long as I knew her. And it was only after my grandpa, unfortunately he died first, and then my grandma doesn't know how to cook anything. So she's eating ice cream and candy for the rest of her life, right? I mean, maybe that's not a problem, I don't know. But, you know, how many of you know someone like my grandparents? Right, you see this like old couple, and they're just like on separate sides of the bench. like, Right, like I know what you did to me 30 years ago. Right, how many of you have a conflict of your own that feels like this? that person. I'm not going to be the one who gives in, right? This verse from Hebrews stuck out to me this week. Hebrews 12, 15. Hopefully I have the right one on the screen here. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. This morning we could spend so much time talking about the benefits of conflict. We could spend so much time talking about what God is going to bring about through Conflict, we could even go more in depth on why conflict happens. But I think the most helpful thing for all of us is to know how to handle conflict so that the bitter root doesn't grow up and cause us to tear.
We want to run. We can't stand it if something seems to be about to cause us to get in an argument with someone. And then, God forbid, when the conflict ends up happening, we have no idea. Everyone say, no idea. No idea. We have no idea how to handle conflict in a healthy way, right? So we end up bitter, broken, mad, angry, wronged. So that's my introduction for you guys, <laughs> but the rest of it's kind of short, okay? So don't stress out and click out. There's actually thousands of stories of conflict in this Bible. Pretty much everyone. Jesus I mean, if you read Jesus' story, it's just a constant conflict, okay? It wasn't it was the disciples, the Pharisees, the Romans. Like, he's constantly getting in conflict. Uh, and as I was preparing for this, I literally couldn't find just one passage to stick to. Usually, I like to just find one passage, like God speak through that. I'm like, man, the whole Bible is a story of conflict, right? Conflict. And because as I just kept reading all these different stories of conflict, I started to notice something. I started to notice that there was a pattern, a pattern that you can stick most every conflict into. And guess how many patterns I found? 80. 80, 80 patterns. No, three, like the biblical trinity, okay? Everything's in threes. So, uh, but Brooke found 80, and she is going <laughs> to preach the next sermon on that. You want 80 points, right? Uh, so the, there's three patterns of conflict that I felt like everything fell into these three buckets, okay? So I want to focus on three short stories in the Bible, and I'm telling you short, don't stress, on how to handle conflict well, how to handle it in a healthy way, and show you where you may sit in each of these three patterns. So the first story comes out of Luke 22, verse 47. If you want to turn there, if you have a Bible with you, pull it up on electronic device. Uh, Luke twenty-two forty-seven. 47. Uh, this takes place right after Jesus gets done praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Okay, and if you're not familiar, that's literally right before he goes to the cross. Terrified of the separation that's about to happen between him and God. And he's like, says he's sweating blood. So, so intense, right? And right before he's about to go to the cross and be crucified, look at verse 47. While you're still speaking... A crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? And when Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. So here's a story where you have a lot of conflict. Anyone see that? Anyone see some conflict there? Not only is Jesus getting betrayed by one of his best friends, you got one of the other friends pulling out a sword and chopping off an ear. Okay, like, I don't know. That just seems quite a big conflict, okay? Uh, hopefully your arguments don't end like that. And within this story, I want to draw attention to the first pattern that I see in conflict, the first aspect of conflict, one that we really don't do so good with. And that is when someone has wronged me. That's the first pattern of conflict. Someone has wronged me. What do we do when someone has wronged me? What do you do? I mean, obviously, you get them back, right? You got to escalate it. You got to show them not to mess with you. They ate your gummy bears, you eat their Lunchable. 
Okay? You, they cut you off in traffic, you swerve in front of them and you hope they get in an accident. Okay? You, they served you the wrong item in the drive-thru and you make them feel I get wronged. The warrior of justice comes out. Right? This isn't going to go unpunished. Justice. Right? Batman is here. And I totally get you because that's how I do it too. Okay? That is the way that Jesus calls. That, but here's the question. Is that the way that Jesus calls us to handle conflict? Right? In this story, a man who Jesus has taught, loved, and lived with for the past three years comes up and betrays him to the cross. But Peter has a different idea. We find out from a different passage, it was Peter that pulled out the sword, right? Like, I think it was Mark, right? Whoever's the writer of that passage, like, I'm going to be nice to Peter, not tell everyone it was Peter that pulled out the sword, okay? Right? Peter, Peter's the one who yells, pulls out the sword, he's like, justice, right? And he, like, swings, and I'm sure everybody around him is like, dude, where did Peter get a sword from, right? <laughs> like, dude, what are you doing? And then he obviously doesn't even know how to use this, okay? Because if you actually plan to chop off someone's ear, I'm sure you couldn't do it, right? It has to be a complete accident. He's just like, whoa, chops off this guy's ear, okay? It's just, it's just mind-blowing to me. And then Peter sees Jesus... So Peter sees Jesus about to get betrayed, and he says, not my watch, right? And, and here's where all of your friends, and you would have been like, yeah. Peter, he's doing the right thing. We're tough. You come at our Jesus, you're going to lose an ear, bro. Okay? And get this. You wronged me, so I'm going to give it back. And this is the amazing part. What does Jesus do? He rebukes Peter. If you look at a different version, Matthew 26 says, put your soul will die by the soul. Jesus heals the man's ear. Here's this huge group led by Jesus' friend who is going to betray him. Everything is lost for Jesus. In the midst of that, he loves his enemy. He loves his enemy. How beautiful is that? That's the key. That's the key. When someone has wronged me, I need to respond with love. When someone has wronged me, I need to respond with love. There we go. Uh, someone, has, someone has wronged me, we respond with love. And I know that sounds so mushy or like bogus. You're like, in an isolated spot. Let me read you a couple other verses. 1 Peter 3, 8 through 9 says, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to do this, to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Okay, fine. First Peter, that's Peter who cut off the ear right in this. Okay, I need someone else. How about Paul? He says in Romans, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will. In doing this, you will keep burning coals on his head. He's going to be like, burning, like as if you put something on his head, because he cannot take that you're being so nice to him. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And Jesus' words himself says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. 
You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And that's what Jesus lived. The early church lived. We're now living in an era of Christian culture where we think it's okay to treat someone poorly if they have treated us poorly. We justify it. But I'm telling you, that is not the Bible. That's not Jesus. That means that you don't respond to that angry comment on Facebook with another angry comment. I think that could be like a whole message in itself. If the Christian community could stop responding on social media to every comment with their own angry thing. Like, I was reading some statistics and it's like too much to get into. But how the Christians, when they think they're like anonymous on social media, it's like... Satan is living through them. The comments, the things that we would never say to another person we now think is totally fine because we're commenting on social media. This means that you forgive your family member when they deeply hurt you. This means that you love the person who is living the exact opposite of Jesus. You love them, right? You love even when it hurts. It's maybe the hardest for us. We always feel like we were the ones wronged, like it wasn't our fault, and that may or may not be true, right? But let me tell you something. Jesus doesn't give us an excuse. Jesus doesn't give an excuse. You have to respond with love. If you claim to be a Christian this morning, you are called to love the person who has wronged you. Surprise the person with something nice right? Make them something. Send them money. Say something nice about them. (laughs) How would they respond to that, right? If you've been in this bitter conflict for so long, be the first to reach out. Stop trying to prove your point. This is the way of Jesus. Respond with love. We got to keep moving. Second story, Matthew 5 verse 23. Matthew 5, 23. Flip over there. We're gonna, we got this. We got this. Everyone knows my favorite word, therefore. <laughs> this word refers back to right this passage before Jesus' teaching about how you cannot actually you can you can actually be a murderer just by hating someone in your heart. Brennan talked about this last week and being a friend. Do you actually love your brother and sister? You may not physically murder them, but Jesus says it's the same thing if you are hating them in your heart, if you're calling them even a fool, right? And there remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Jesus is teaching to this big group of people and he tells this story. A story about a person who was at the temple offering a gift to God, worshiping God at this very moment. And he or she remembers that someone has something against them. You know what the modern equivalent of this is? You're at Sunday morning worship, which means maybe you're in your home right now, right? Or maybe you're gathered in a small group like this one, right? And you're about to drop an offering to the church. You're like on the church app, like, right? Or like if we were in person, you're like going to drop some money in the basket, right? You're about to do that. 
You just got done worshiping God. You just got singing at the top of your lungs. Your hands are raised. You're proclaiming God is so good. You love him with all of your heart. And then you remember. You remember that you got something going on with someone else. You got some beef with someone else. Right? Look what it says. And there, remember that your brother or sister has... Throughout the scriptures, this story specifically is talking about a conflict where I have wronged someone. I have wronged someone. It's pretty blunt. Someone has something against you, okay? Right? While you're worshiping God, you remember that you yelled at your mom and you hung up the phone, okay? Right now, <laughs> solve this conflict. Uh, <laughs> drop that money now. You remember that you told your roommate you would pay her back for the rent, but you never did. Right? And you know there's like tension there, right? While you are praising Jesus with your mouth, you remember that you lied to your friend. It doesn't matter. Fill in the blank. Cheated, stole, hurt, cursed, broke, hated, was just plain mean, right? Like you can, you can fill in the blank. And Jesus says, even if you are in church, even if you're in church, in church, go and make it right. Go and make it right. There we are. I have wronged someone. Go and make it right. Notice, notice what did Jesus say? Go immediately. Do it right away. <laughs> I heard it. It's like reading some content. I saw pastors talking about this. He's like, he's like, notice Jesus says, leave the offering though. Okay. So leave your money. Okay. <laughs> I was like, dang. All right. So Jesus says, leave the money here. And then come back and actually put it in the basket, okay? So you're not going to forget about, like, giving to me still, God, right? But you're going to go fix what's wrong first, okay? He says, go and do it immediately. It doesn't matter if you're about to drop the money in the plate. You're going to wait, okay? Leave that and go and make it right. Look what Jesus says. Go and be reconciled to them. You know what that word reconciled means? It means to be restored. Make it right. Maybe that means an apology. Maybe that means being there from now on, or maybe that means paying someone back with what you know you should have paid them three years ago, okay? When you're in conflict and you're the one that's in the wrong, stop trying to do the religious thing, right? <laughs> Georgette's like got something, a word here, right? <laughs> What'd you say? The not the conflict kind of payback. Yes, exactly. Pay them back <laughs> with the money. Yeah, don't go, don't go and like beat them up or something, right? <laughs> Stop trying to do the religious thing. You've got something way more important to do. Leave the church service and go fix it. Here's a powerful verse for you. We use this sometimes. We're talking about justice, but I feel like it applies so much to this. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? With calves a year old. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with thousand rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I just love this because it's just talking about this, this story that Jesus just told. It's like, man... God doesn't want you to just be there worshiping him when there's something so wrong in your heart. And Jesus applies it specifically to our relationships with another human. 
Being here is not the place you need to be. You need to be restoring your relationship with this person. You need to be reconciling. Look at this, this other passage in, Mount, or in Amos. I hate, this is, Jesus, this is God talking, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, even though you bring me money offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, your worship music, right? But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. If you read the prophetic books of the Bible, it's like a constant refrain. I'm real here. And Jesus says that, that, that starts. These verses point out a tra- truth that rings throughout the Bible. God isn't interested in you putting on a show, right? He doesn't want us to put on the face, come to service all happy, everything's fine. You were just like arguing in the car and you got and you're like, hello, brothers and sisters. I'm ready to worship God, right? <laughs> British person, I guess. No, don't act like something's good and you're the most godly person in the world when your friend is out there hurt and broken because of something that you've done. Right? When you're avoiding it specifically, what does God say? The most important thing that you can do, and hear this because it goes against everything that we naturally think. The most important thing you can do is not be here right now. But in fact, go and make it right with that person. So I give you permission right now. If there's like something on your heart, like there's a person I need to go meet. You know, if you're in a home group right now, even here in this room, and you're like, man, I need to go make something right. Don't worry. We're not going to ask questions. You just go. Like, take this command literally. Go make it right. Maybe you're like in your home right now. You're like, okay, I got to, sorry, got to go. <laughs> go do this, right? And maybe if you want to share what's up, great. They can even hold you accountable. If not, that's, that's all right. But go and make it right. Maybe it's making a phone call today. Maybe it's just sending a text saying, I'm sorry, right? Maybe it's you doing this right now. Not waiting. Go and meet the person. Call the person. Apologize. Go above and beyond. Don't try to defend yourself or prove why it wasn't as bad as they think it is. Okay? Just go and make it right. Final story. Final story. Mark 9, verse 33. Jesus is walking with his disciples. They're going along the road. And Jesus hears something happening Behind him. Look at Mark 9, verse 33. It says, They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about? Who was the greatest? Okay? Here's the final story, the final pattern that I want us to look at regarding conflict. And this honestly may be the pattern that happens most often in your life. Okay? But you won't admit it or recognize it. And it happens when we are both a part of the mess, okay? This is the third pattern. Both sides are part of the problem. Both sides are a part of the conflict. Jesus is traveling along through the roads. It's been a couple years. He had people come and go, and like through it all, he's got these 12 guys that have stuck with him. They think they're pretty cool, okay? They're like, we're going to be on top when Jesus takes over the world, right? They felt pretty good about themselves. They'd seen miracles. They'd had some miracles happen through them. You know, they felt especially great because Jesus, 
They start to flex, right? They want to, sh want to show others that they are better even than you 12, okay? I'm the top of the 12, okay? You got, anybody ever done this? No, no, yeah, of course not, right? This is not any of us. I mean, that's basically social media, like in a sentence, right? Let me flex and show how I'm better, okay? We don't ever show the bad things on social media. Brooke and I were talking about this the other day. We're like, we don't show the bad things on social media. And the few people who do, we think they're crazy, right? We're like, man, you're oversharing, okay? I only want to know about that trip or like that new puppy you got, right? But these guys are saying, well, I was the one who stopped and helped that homeless person. <laughs> Wait there a second there, Judas, okay? Well, I was the one who had that connection with the hotel so we didn't have to sleep on the street. And they're like, oh, fair, fair, all right, all right. right? And the other guy's like, well, I was the one who saw Jesus on the mountain in glory, okay? They're like arguing. I don't know what points they're given, but they're saying who's the greatest out of them 12? Again, nothing we would ever. Jesus must have heard it because when they get to the end of the road, Jesus asked them, what were y'all talking about? <laughs> They're like, oh, uh, we, we were praying, Jesus, right? Like, they, they, you know, no one wants to say anything. It says surprise. They're just like, um, it says they said nothing. They felt foolish. They felt ashamed, right? They won't even answer Jesus. And Jesus, so Jesus sits down. Look at verse 35. Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Anyone who wants to be first, anyone who wants to be the greatest, must be the very last and the servant of all. You want to know what to do if you're in a conflict where everyone is at fault? Go last and serve. Go last and serve. Looking back on that story that we started with, the one about the monks, right? I love how everything changed when they started to imagine that the Messiah, Jesus, was right there with them. That's what changes in our lives when we realize that too, right? When you're in conflict, it's very rare that you haven't had a part to play in. Maybe you were the one wrong, but then the way you responded, as Georgette has said, <laughs> that's like, you just increased the conflict, okay? Now you, you, you have a part because of, you know, of the way that you've responded and now you both are at wrong and you have to stop and realize Jesus is right here too. Jesus is right here too. We're just like those disciples. We're wandering down the road, arguing with each other about something so stupid, not even acting. No, Jesus is here in this room. How many of you know his spirit is inside of you? If you follow Jesus, how many of you know his spirit is there? Would that change us if we started to recognize that? Right? Would that change our life if we started to recognize Jesus is standing right here with us when we're talking to that person, when we're so angry at that person? What would change in your life if you started to, start to, started to see the person the way Jesus does? And Jesus calls you, you, not you to take the path of a servant to humble yourself to apologize to let go to forgive to serve and this, this is the hardest part I've saved this for last because this is the hardest truth for you to hear the other person may not respond well 
Hear this, hear this. You cannot control the other person. You can follow all these things to the T. You go and forgive that person. You love that person. You serve that person. And they can still refuse to forgive you. Okay? And that, you know, they can refuse to let this bitterness go. But that's not on you. That's not on you. God is calling you to serve, to let go, to be last. And you can't do anything about them. You can't control someone else. You have to hear this this morning. It's one of the most important things for you to know about this whole thing with conflict. You can control yourself. So you're like, I can't even control myself, okay? You're like, you know, God working in you is what he's looking at, is helping you do the right thing here, right? To love that person. God working through you, Jesus, his grace on you, is helping to love that person regardless of how they respond. And in case you forgot, Jesus did that himself, right? What a conundrum, right? This may be the hardest thing for us to do because as soon as the other person doesn't respond well, we're like, well, there it is. I told you this would happen. I'm done. No, that's the exact place where Jesus wants you to go last and keep serving. Keep serving. So this morning I realized that there are some conflicts that you feel. Like you're in that. They're so nuanced. They're so complicated. You're like, I don't even know where to stand in it. Like, God, I need help. I want to invite you to talk with a pastor this morning to allow someone else in, right? Allow one of us into that conflict. Get an outside voice to give you some wisdom, help walk with you. Uh, text, call, post, leave us a message. Let us know. We want to talk with you. We want to pray with you. We want to like walk through this with you. That's part of the beauty about being a part of a community is you're not alone, right? Maybe it is so messed up and complicated in your head, but we want to walk with you and help you walk in the way of conflict, the way that Jesus did, the way Jesus calls us to do. So I invite you to reach out to us this morning. I mean, if you know what you got to do, I want to challenge you to do it. Go make it right, right? Serve for, I'm like, not like motivated, whatever. Let, let's talk. Let's pray together. Let's, let's dive into this deeper together, not to shame you into anything, but to help you as a brother or sister that we can walk in this together. So let me just pray for us as, we, as I close this, um, and then we're going to take communion together. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your hard, hard truths. Sometimes we don't want to hear them. Sometimes we run from them. Pray this morning, whatever you're speaking to my brothers or sisters, and even as you're speaking to me, God, help us to do conflict well. Not to run from it, not to avoid it, but to do it the way that you did. As I see you, Jesus, I don't see you afraid of conflict. You went into it so strongly, but you did it so differently than the rest of us, God. You still love us even as we turn our backs on you so often, God. Help us to have that same heart, that same grace flowing through us, Jesus. Empower us in the ways that we are weak, where we've grown bitter. Crack down that, that emotion, that wall, that anger that's grown in us towards another person. Maybe even towards you, God. Maybe we've grown bitter towards you, God. Break down that wall supernaturally. May your peace come upon us, come upon your church, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, so much for hearing our prayers, for meeting us here this morning. 
Pray this in your name. You have been listening to New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. If you have been blessed by this message, please let us know. Now go and live a new life.